This episode will contain explicit language, along with spoilers, for Denis Villeneuve's 2013 film, Enemy. Welcome to a new episode of Franchises and Filmogs. We are on episode 63. Today, we watched another Denis Villeneuve movie. It is... I don't... I've lost track. I think it's maybe his fourth or his fifth film in the filmography. Uh, But we watched Enemy, which is... A 2013 film released the same year as Prisoners, which was our last episode. And today we are joined by a guest once again. We are joined by Stephen. Welcome, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm all right. Can't escape me. I can't yeah. escape you. Um, I forgot to give your credentials as my enemy. Um, Stephen is <laughs> yes. my enemy. Uh, very fitting for this episode. Um, because of that, I am drinking this episode. I got a nice cider in my hand right now. What? I, I need more details than that. What cider are you drinking exactly? The One Tree Cider, Lemon Basil. I believe it's their uh, most popular cider. But I uh, cut up a little piece of a lemon, squeeze the juice in there, threw the threw the wedge in. There you go. It, uh, kicks it up a notch. That sounds very good, very summery. Is it sunny over where you're at right now? It's pretty sunny in Seattle right now. So it's actually a pretty good day right today. It's like, I think, 60 or something. It's sunny. Yeah, it it sounds about the same as over here then. Um, Yeah, we're going to be talking about a pretty bleak movie that's not very (laughs) sunny. (laughs) Yeah, the movie's like great. But every... uh, Every Villeneuve movie is bleak, is what I've determined. I don't think there's a single bright... Well, okay, his debut film is a little brighter than the other ones, but uh, still bleak subject matter. Um, But yeah, we're going to talk about Enemy. I could not find the budget for Enemy. I assume it was a lower budget, because it is a pretty um, simple story with really one main lead actor... Uh, who is an expensive actor, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, but I think that overall the budget was probably a lot less than Prisoners. And according to IMDb, the film grossed worldwide. It grossed uh, $3.46 million. So not a bad taken. Um, probably nowhere near Prisoners. And a lot of people probably still don't really know this movie exists. Uh, but it is still top tier Villeneuve, in my opinion. It's a little bit stranger. Uh, what do you think about the movie before we get into any details? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. I think it's a maybe a more controversial part of his yeah. filmography because I feel like it's a lot because it's more esoteric. It's going to split the audience more. I think his other movies are while they're deep, like especially prisoners you know we had the hour and a half episode but i think a lot of his other stuff is pretty straightforward and i was looking so i think a24 has like pretty low budgets in general right i mean so i was looking at uh trying to find a comparable movie maybe like the witch in 2015 yeah robert eggers that had a four million budget so I, i feel like this maybe was made for maybe around that number I don't know, probably a little higher because I think then he had more credit at that time. Yeah. Plus he got to pay I mean, for the spiders. It's a like simple film that I don't think takes too much money to make, but at the same time he does have these like 
huge shots of the city. So I don't know what kind of cameras he was using and stuff like that. So maybe it did cost a lot. I don't know. Some huge um, CGI spiders too. Yeah, CGI spiders. We'll definitely talk about the spiders, I'm sure, uh, later in the episode, if we can even say anything about them. I don't even know. Um, but I guess I'll do a little bit of a plot summary before we get started. It'll be really short, um, not too detailed, but kind of the main the main idea of the film. Uh, so we are introduced to this character, Adam, who is just living his life. Uh, he has, I believe, a girlfriend uh, that he um, lives in an apartment with, and along the way he is a history teacher i think unless was it history do you know or is it a different subject i think yeah, it was history. It's, it's history teacher okay he is a history teacher we're off to a rocky start with this plot summary um, but he's a history teacher uh and he comes across this actor that looks a lot like him because he is in a break room at the college that he teaches at and one of his co-workers is like, hey, you look a lot like this guy. Or no, he tells him to watch this film. Uh, and so Adam watches this film and he realizes there's a guy kind of in the background that looks exactly like Adam. So Adam tracks this guy down. His name is Anthony Clare. And he finds him and they're living a somewhat similar life. Uh, they both have a girlfriend, but they kind of have different mannerisms and there's a lot of spiders involved. Where am I going now? Uh, I guess they meet up and they are kind of weirded out by each other and worried about each other's actions. And then Anthony is like kind of goes crazy and he's like, hey, you slept with my girlfriend, even though I don't think there's any evidence of that. So then Anthony decides that he wants to take Adam's girlfriend out um, and spend, I think, like a weekend with her on a trip or maybe it's just one night. So they change places. Anthony goes more and more crazy. Adam also kind of gets weird and the girlfriends are just starting to get kind of suspicious. And in the end, I believe Anthony ends up dying and Adam's girlfriend turns into a spider. And that's the most basic premise I can give you of this film. So I hope you like that. <laughs> it was more succinct than my uh, <laughs> diatribe in the prisoners one, but um <laughs> I don't one, know if succinct is the right word, but... <laughs> one question is, uh, or not yeah. question, uh, one correction. Yeah, is, go for it. For Anthony, it is his wife, not girlfriend. I do think it's an important Oh, right, right, because they noticed the ring. Yeah. Yeah, and she's pregnant. Kind of a big... That Yes, that is true as well. And Anthony's wife, it appears, figures out that Adam is taking Anthony's place and she's like, Hey, I want you to stay uh, instead of Anthony at one point. It, at least that's how I interpreted one of the scenes. Uh, this film's very ambiguous. And I think a lot of it is open to interpretation. Um, but toward the end, there's that scene and she's like, Hey, I want you to stay. And it seems like she realizes that it's Adam and not Anthony. Um, so Yeah. 
So that's the film. A lot of Jake Gyllenhaal. A lot of, actually, well, two times the Jake Gyllenhaal, really. Um, and then Melanie Laurent plays Mary, who is Adam's wife, and Sarah Gadone, or Gadden, I'm not sure, plays Helen, who is Anthony's wife. A lot of A names uh, going on here with Adam and Anthony and two Jake Gyllenhaals. The film was based on The Double by Jose Saramago, which is a novel, and it is not the same as the film The Double, which is based on a different novel of a different name that I don't remember, uh, but I thought that was very interesting. Oh, really? For The Double? Yeah, I I thought about reading it once because I like that movie. I haven't seen that movie. I think it might have come out the same year from what I was reading, but that could be. It actually did, yeah, 2013. Look at that. Yeah, so maybe that's why Enemy went under the radar because everyone was raving about the double instead. Were they? Um, uh, I think it was pretty mixed. I don't know. Um, The cast for this film signed a confidentiality agreement. So they couldn't talk about the spiders and there are quite a few spiders in this film and I don't fully understand them, but at the end of the version that I watched, there was an interview with Jake Gyllenhaal and Denis Villeneuve and they explained it a little bit. So we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, Villeneuve has been making films for a long time at this point and he really wanted Javier Bardem to play the lead role of this film And then Javier Bardem, I think he didn't like the story or something, so he declined. So then Villeneuve went to Christian Bale, which is also somebody he went to for prisoners, apparently. And Christian Bale was too busy. I think that might be for the better, because I don't really see Christian Bale in this role being as good as Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, And then we got Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Bardem would be. I I would would love to see intense. Yeah. Two Bardems is that's a lot. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that newest Pirates of the Caribbean movie, no, that's a terrible example. Um, but Bardem is a great actor, and I would have liked to see two Bardems in this film. Maybe they could do a remake or an enemy too. Um, and then since this film involved a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal talking to himself. They used a tennis ball on a stick as a point of reference. So Jake Gyllenhaal, most of these scenes is talking to a tennis ball on a stick. Fun fact. Uh, That's all the facts I've got. Steven, do you have any uh, fun facts that you found about this film or want to add anything about those facts for now? No, I don't think I have any facts. I do think... um, Jake Gyllenhaal must be a really good actor to act this intensely against a tennis ball on a stick. Um, I think that is a solid test of acting. Probably like the same for uh, anybody that has to do a lot of green screen stuff or like, I feel like Andy Serkis probably ends up acting with himself a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Andy Serkis stuff he does and is wild. Um, He can do all of it. He can direct it. He can, write it i think uh and star in it with himself in every role um yeah i wonder how like eddie murphy does that too because he has a lot of films <laughs> and i don't think he's talking to a tennis ball on a stick most of the time but maybe um, i don't know man i 
I think there's definitely a quality gap between uh when he's got like Norbert era Eddie Murphy <laughs> versus Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I, I don't know why that came to mind. I think it came to mind because I was thinking of like coming to America. There was like a scene in it mm. recently. I haven't seen the new one, but I saw like a scene from it where Eddie Murphy's playing like five characters. Of course. So, yeah. But talented actors, nonetheless. Yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, we can start off talking about the mood of this film. It is very much Villeneuve. It is dark. It is bleak. It is very yellow. Um, yeah, it's like beige just filter on the yeah. entire thing. Yeah, and I think that adds some grit to the city that we are are watching throughout the course of this film. And it also is a very hazy film. And I think that kind of adds to the ambiance of confusion. And I think that Villeneuve was really trying to not have the audience understand everything. So I think the, the cloudiness just of the settings of this film in the long shots uh, help with that and, or, or don't help with that. If you're really trying to figure out this film, it does not help that everything is, under this haze of uh, subconscious, I guess. Um, I do really like the soundtrack for this film as well. It's got the the high string scores, which is used in a lot of intense films. It almost sounded Hitchcockian to me. Uh, and that could be something we talk about a little later as well, because I think Vertigo is a big part of this film. Um, yeah. Did you take in the soundtrack a lot or focus on I any? I like the soundtrack. I do feel like the movie has a very otherworldly feel while still being in the real world. I just thought of this now. It reminds me a lot of how the world feels in like every single uh, Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or like it, it's in the real world, but there's just something off about it. And with like the filter the soundtrack just it's very isolated you know it's empty and it's like it's a big city in canada it seems like and because there's like the shots of toronto i think it takes place uh elsewhere too but it's like the streets feel empty everything feels empty yeah it's post-apocalyptic uh it feels a little bit like blade runner too um like somewhat futuristic but also like gross and polluted and uh empty so yeah and i feel the um shoot what was i thinking is uh i'm blinking now man you're good if you uh think of it we can come back um a lot of this film takes place on a college campus too, uh, which is something that Villeneuve is familiar with filming around. Um, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of the setting of Polytechnique, which is a black and white film. So a little bit different ambiance, but it is filmed majorly around a college campus. And I almost wonder if he used the same college campus. Um, um, guess what? I figured out what I was going to say. Yes. Uh, and the, Movie feels a lot just smaller than his other movies so far. You know, it's yeah. just like Prisoners feels a lot bigger. There's more 
moving parts and Sendi's is way grander in or on Sandy. It's way grander in its scope. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think all of his films feel a lot bigger than this film. And I think a part of that has to do with the acting. Um, here you're really just focused on one character, whereas in like Prisoners you have like five pretty solid lead roles, or at least they all support each other. Um, Ansan D also had quite a few different roles in the film, and they're like traveling a lot of the time, and you're seeing these like huge landscapes. Um, I think it's that a lot this more intimate film... and isolated. Yeah, yeah definitely. This film reminds me the most, I don't think you've seen it, but Maelstrom, which is almost impossible to find. Um, so if you do want to watch it, I recommend going to dvds.com or dvd.com, which is uh, the newest Netflix, they send it to you site. You have to get it like on DVD from them. Otherwise, you're going to pay like $200 for a VHS copy of it. So you might also have to buy a VHS player. Um but this film reminds me the most of the tone of that film because that film is really weird and doesn't make the most sense. But I think this is the most uh, organized tell- telling of that style. So um, it-, it seems like he kind of reverted back to telling the story that doesn't completely make sense. But at least in this one, you're like, it's more linear and you're more able to make an interpretation of what's going on. Uh at least to yourself. So um, as we can talk about the, the messages of this film or what it's about. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to ask you right away because yeah. I got my thoughts jotted down, but do you think, are they in your opinion, the same person or so are they different? I think that, I I have more fun watching this film when they are different people, but this film makes me think more when they're the same person. So the debate is that they could be the same person uh, with multiple consciences, I guess, um, or they could be two different people, depending on how you interpret this film. Um, I think that I, when I watch this film, I interpret it as two different people, but I can see the argument of, of one person at the same time. And I think that you could definitely argue either way. Do you have like a solid thought about that, about whether you think they are pretty convinced they're the same person and it's a subconscious battle within the mind of either Adam and Anthony. What I think is cool about it is I don't think there is a... It's probably Anthony is his name. It's I think there's almost like a mix of like Adam is more like what, like who he is, but his name is Anthony. It's I think it's interesting. I know Villeneuve in interviews has said that I think he said like to him, like the movie is a the battle like within Jake's subconscious. And he specifically said Jake's too, which when I heard that, I was kind of feel like that's kind of like a, a slap in the face to Jake's character. Cause the Adam or like Anthony in this was not a good guy, not a good guy at all. You know, as yeah. one person. 
Yeah. Um, I'll jump ahead a little bit here and I'll say that in the, did you see the interview at all? I don't know how you watch this. So I, I rented it on Amazon and there's an, uh, like 15 minute interview at the end with both of them. Um, did you, have you seen that at all? No, I, I rented it on Amazon, but I did not watch that interview. Oh, strange. Um, so at the end of the film, they say, I think Villeneuve says it can be about one or two people. So you can interpret it how you want to interpret it. Um, I think that there's a more solid argument for him making this film when it's about one person, uh, because it kind of tells you about their personality and if it's two people, you're kind of just watching the film as a film instead of thinking about it, I guess. Um, but he says you can interpret it how you want. Uh, but he does say that there's this idea of one plus one equals one, which I will never understand. Um, <laughs> but that's a, a common thing uh, that I need to research more. Um, but it is also about the search to commit yourself to relationships uh, which I think is very important because neither of them are committed to their relationship. So it's not the most clear if it's about one person or two people uh, committing themselves. But either way, neither of them seem to be committed and they always want something new. Um, yeah. Do you have, I guess if, if you have more you want to say on that, I'm not going to touch spiders yet. Because that's going to be a, a whole other part, I think, once we talk about that. But Yeah, I think general, the, the, like the main theme of the movie is definitely fear of commitment. Yeah. Primarily, uh, Anthony, I'm going to talk in perspective that they're one person. And okay. it's Anthony, I think, is afraid of the responsibility a child brings. And that's like his main fear of commitment. There's a point um, where Adam, while he's at work, uh, gets confronted, you know, sort of by Anthony's wife. She comes to the work and starts talking to him and he asks, you know, how far along she is in the pregnancy. And she says six months. And there's a scene earlier when Adam poses as Anthony at the talent agency. And the guy says, oh man, I haven't seen you here in about six months. So it's like, there could be that tie in there, you know, that he hasn't been going to the acting agency since his wife got pregnant, because that put him in kind of like a mental tailspin. Yeah. And I do think there's a theme, too, and of history repeating itself. There's the part in the beginning where Adam's giving a lecture. Yeah. He's talking about dictators, and, and he's like, this is important to know. There's like, this is a cycle that repeats itself. And at the end of the movie, it kind of goes full circle with his unfaithfulness or his fear of commitment where, you know, Anthony is replaced by Adam or Anthony gets over his, that side of him that is afraid of commitment that wants to be unfaithful and he's returned to her. But then he, like the first sign of temptation, the envelope to the CD weird sex club the key in his you know pocket and he you know is like oh honey you doing anything because i need to go out tonight and it's like that's like the behavior or the history repeating itself yeah there's um they also talk about like chaos 
uh, a, a little bit with the repetition and um, I guess the idea is that the chaos can repeat itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have th- this film philosophically goes beyond my reach. I'll, I'll admit that right now. Um, I think I'd have to rewatch it like three times to really get a grasp of what's going on in my thoughts. Um, but I did find it interesting that they are seemingly the same person, but also very different in, in personality, um, except for when it really comes to commitment. So I think that they seem to share that, um, but in a lot of other aspects are very different. Um, yeah, I have like, to me, like there's some like key parts where I feel like it indicates they're the same. Like there's definitely like Adam is way more like unkempt. He's more timid. You could say like nicer or Anthony is more like cocky, outgoing. He dresses nicely. So on on that real quick, um, Jake Gyllenhaal said that the costuming choices were also on purpose um, where Adam is wearing like looser clothing and Anthony wears a lot of like tighter clothing. He's more like uptight uh, wearing like tight leather jackets when he's motorcycling and stuff like that. So. Uh, but you can keep going. I just wanted to insert that. Yeah, I mean, he, he like he looks cooler, you know. He, he looks like a guy who's trying to be an actor, a star. Yeah, there's there's just parts in the movie, you know. I think a a big thing, you know, at the beginning is when he's talking on the phone to Adam for the first time. Anthony is. Yeah, we we see Anthony's side talking and then we we see anthony in the bathroom or so we see adam's side and we see anthony in the bathroom talking on the phone we don't hear anything on his end though mm-hmm. we just hear him saying things like don't call me blah 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 and he comes out and says like oh it's that that same guy but his wife you know is suspicious and doesn't buy it you know and she says you know are you seeing her again so it's like we yeah. already have a bit of unfaithfulness there. And, you know, it's like he could have been on the phone. Like, you know, he could have been on the phone with a woman, too. I don't think it's out of the question. If, well, you know, been, obviously uh, if he's not talking to him, you know, Adam, if Adam's not real. Well, it could have been Adam's girlfriend, then, uh, is the True. person that he was having an affair with, right? Uh, yeah, and... So like when he when Adam I think the biggest one is when Adam visits his mother. There's the part where blueberries. Yeah, she she says like she gets blueberries and like you know we know we know earlier Anthony loves blueberries and she and he gets them and Adam's like I don't like blueberries and she's like what are you talking about of course you do, and she also tells Adam it's like to give up his acting fantasy. And that he has a good job and a good apartment. So it's like... Oh, yeah. And Adam earlier in the movie to his co-worker said, Oh, I don't like movies. I don't watch movies. Mm-hmm. So, so it is almost like that repressed side of him is changed in a way. He doesn't like blueberries. You know, he's a failed actor, so he doesn't like movies. But his mom is like stating the facts to us there that like... 
a lot of the stuff that we see Anthony do, like it is part of Adam's personality is he's just not doing it in front of us. Yeah. Or in that form. Yeah. Yeah. And, I can, yeah. I think that scene definitely makes more the, the scene with the mother definitely makes more of an argument that it is one person. And I definitely caught the, like the blueberry thing was huge where she like they're, disagreeing about certain things about whether he likes blueberries or not um, and the mother reveals so. a lot to us too because she says to adam it's like you have enough trouble sticking with one woman when he was talking about like the anthony guy and, and yeah. so like that that point it's established okay both of them have issues with being faithful there's a part where anthony confronts adam and, and it's like anthony uh there's a scene where he's like pretending in the mirror acting you know that he's gonna he's gonna go to adam and be like did you have sex with my wife you know just to fake it and you know trick him into letting him take out his girlfriend and when anthony comes in adam's like oh i'm gonna call the police i thought it was interesting when anthony says like yeah call the police what are you going to tell them and to me it's like it's like that was like an argument for them being the same person because it's kind of like well what are you gonna do you know, obviously, if he called the police, he'd be like, hey, a guy broke into my apartment. But if they're the same person, he's like, what are you going to do? Call the police on yourself? Like, So he also, yeah, he seems to just be justifying his own uh, lack of commitment, I guess, by attacking himself from that, that point of view. Uh, I think you've sold me on interpreting this as one person. Um, one of the scenes that helps me with that for sure is when he goes over to Adam, when Anthony goes over to Adam and is like, you slept with my wife. Um, even though there's like nothing before that happened at all. So we wouldn't have no evidence of that at all. So he's like justifying himself taking out another girl, um, because he slept with his own wife, (laughs) which is, uh, it's strange, but I I can see that for sure. Um, I think like the holes in the hold are one person thing is uh like because the wife definitely goes to the school. Yeah. And sees Adam there not acting like Anthony. So like, I you know, it, there's an argument that it's not all in his head that like part of it's manifesting in like a like some kind of psychosis where he really thinks he's like a different person at times yeah which i mean does explain like his wife looks shook anthony's wife or helen looks shook kind of after when she sees yeah well even when she's like just sitting there on the bench next to adam she like looks extremely confused like what is this guy doing here Uh, um why is this my husband so there's a part after you know she interacts with adam and he's leaving going back to teach the class and she calls her phone and before anthony answers adam walks off frame yeah that's a really and then he answers yeah that's an important scene because he like walks around the corner um so that definitely justifies it being one person as well is he like clearly walks around the corner and Villeneuve is pointing this out to us that he just walks around a corner and then he is on the phone. So yeah, I, I see that. 
it, it does um, seem like Helen is in a way like really trying to help him along with the issue because she doesn't you know she doesn't obviously confront him and go like what are you talking about you are anthony like why are you doing this like she's trying to help him work through it by like playing along almost yeah that's another uh thought is if he is the same person how is helen acting around this like because she would know that he has yeah like a split personality or to me, uh, she seems shook and affected by the fact that he's doing that, but it, it seems to me like she's being kind of strong and trying to really help him through the issues. Yeah. And the the other, there's another moment where she really doesn't believe that Anthony is not seeing uh, another girl like he had previously. Yeah. Um, and so that like also tells us is she's really doubling down on it because she really thinks he's seeing uh, someone else at the same time. So yeah. And like that happens after she had a phone call with Adam. So it's like, if that phone call really happened and it was a different person, you think she would be more, be able to believe her husband more. But at that point she thinks her husband is pretending that there's a guy sounding the same as him. And it's really just him. And he's talking to another woman. Yeah. Okay. So on that, I want to jump ahead a little bit to the end of the film where Anthony gets in a car crash with the girlfriend of Adam. Um, so do you think that this singular person dies or what what happens at the end in your mind? I, I think it's in Anthony's head or in... Adam's head. We'll just say history teacher Jake. The yeah, Jake, Jake that has accepted the fact that he's a history teacher and he's never going to be an actor. I think it's happening in history teacher Jake's head. There's okay. the part because we we get like them going out and then we get some of uh, history teacher Jake at you know their apartment with Helen. And there's a point where actor Jake is having sex with uh, Mary, and she notices the ring, which is the mark on his finger for the ring. Mm-hmm. And they start having this argument. And the second that happens, history teacher Jake like wakes up from when he was sleeping. I mean, maybe that's almost kind of like a jolt in his imagination or dream. And yeah. we just kind of see him in thought, really after that. And and it's once. He, because Helen comes out and tells history teacher Jake, like, I want you to stay. And then they make love. And that is when the accident happens, right? Yeah. So to me, that's her saying, like, I want this version of you, you know, like, history teacher Jake. I want him to stay. You know, I want, this is you. I want you to stay. And, like, when that happens and he accepts her, it's that other part of him, actor Jake, the unfaithful Jake, dies, I guess, in his whatever battle in his subconscious is going on. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually, because um, at first she's like, I want you to stay. And you almost think it's like a different person and she realizes it's Adam instead of Anthony. But right after that, she kind of goes back to normal um, and it's not really discussed that they're different people. 
So that would definitely make more sense is when she says, I want you to stay. The more history Jake decides to stay and kills off this Anthony personality in his own mind. Yeah. Um, it's like the full yeah. cycle of him working through the issues. There's a part two, you know, when history teacher Jake first comes to Helen or like enters the apartment. She did say when they're like cuddling on bed, it's like, did you have a good day at school? Which is her trying, maybe testing to see if he's acknowledging that he's just a history teacher. Hmm. But uh, Adam, history teacher Jake, replies like, what are you talking about? Kind of like trying to, like he's pretending he's actor Jake or something still. And then she just says like, forget about it. Like like it was almost her going like, okay, you're not there yet. (laughs) You're not there quite yet. Yeah. Interesting. To me, that was her testing kind of to be like, are you, are you back to, back to normal now? Can you talk about, you know, your normal job, your real job? I do think, yeah. I do have a theory on the Adam part because there is a scene where we see Helen Google search, like Adam Bell history or whatever. And it comes up with the school and there's a staff directory that actually shows an Adam there working at the school in history. And it's like, I don't think he's, employed at the school under a false name i think you think maybe it's when anthony developed this second personality with whatever's going on inside his head that he just took on the name of like some other guy that's in the history department at the school he works in Hmm. yeah that one kind of threw me for a loop because it's like how do you explain the her google search of adam who is in my opinion, like the the real job, but the fake name. Like his name is definitely Anthony because so many people refer to him as Anthony. Hmm. I feel like there isn't even a part in the movie where someone outside of the two Jakes refers to Adam as Adam. Do we ever hear anybody call him Adam? That's a great question. I would think that the like girlfriend would at some point, but maybe not. I, yeah, I was like, I don't even remember and much dialogue like between it. them at all. Like the girl Only at like him. the beginning. I think there's like one night at the beginning, but I don't recall what the dialogue was really. And if she like said his name at all. So that could be something to look out for in a rewatch. So that's why I think it's a mix where like his name is Anthony Clare, but he, he's a history teacher. He has like, you know, this part of him that wants to be an actor that failed. And then whatever's going on in his head with his fear of commitment, he developed this, like, Adam yeah. pseudonym. Yeah. Okay, so now that I think you've explained that pretty well and I understand it, yeah. um, spiders, man. Spiders, yeah, spiders. <laughs> what so, I mean, are I, spiders? I think it's symbolism for just straight-up women. Okay, I think so... Women are spiders that tangle him in their web in, like, Anthony's, you know, fucked up mind right now. Got it. Yeah, I I think that is probably a similar interpretation to what Villeneuve was going for. Because in the interview at the end, he says that, he says a couple of things. He says, first of all, spiders are hypnotic and profound, uh, which would be more of his subconscious um so the spiders seem to be in his head 
clearly. Like these are not real things, but he sees them at strange times. He also says that they stand for femininity. So I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Um, and that he's, he's tangled with commitment to, to these women. Um, and that's what's kind of driving him insane. Um, partially, but, uh, he also, Villeneuve also said the image imprints itself in your mind. So it's something that sticks with the viewer. And I mean, I think if you put any creature like a spider in this film at the times that Villeneuve puts them in, in this film, uh, it would stick with you, but the spiders are, are creepy. And I remember I saw this movie in a theater the first time I saw it. And I remember the end scene, the spider jumps out kind of at uh, Anthony or, or Adam, however you want to interpret it. Um, But uh, the spider kind of jumps out at him. And I remember the audience being like, whoa, like, what was that? Because no one really expected it. That would be Um, fun in theaters. Yeah, I saw it at a Seattle International Film Festival, not during the festival, but at their uh, one of their cinemas that they have in Seattle. So um, great place to watch lower budget films, I guess, or a little bit off the blockbuster path films. Um, it kind of reminds me, like, slight tangent. I yeah. saw the movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, a uh, sci-fi movie, Under the Skin. I have uh, not seen it. But. Scarlett Johansson. We I saw that in theaters with a friend, and I think we were the only people in it. And it felt cool. I don't know. Under the Skin's a sweet movie. That guy has need, not I made anything watch since. He hasn't made a movie since, which is too bad, because it was really experimental, like, hard sci-fi. Yeah. I feel like that's a film... So that film and Enemy and other films of the sort that are like very out there. I think those are like the best films to watch in a smaller theater, but also in a theater as opposed to at home because you're more focused on the screen uh, and what's going on. And I think there's a lot like with the soundtrack of this film, I, I never really focused on it before. Um, so I think that it would be really cool to hear it more in a theater as opposed to sitting at home and you can focus on it. So if they rerun enemy ever, I'd probably see it again in theaters, especially now that I think I understand uh, at least one idea with it. Of course, it's more open to interpretation, but yeah, that was uh, the same year too. 2013. Wow. Under the skin was. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah, I need to watch that, but you recommend it. Scarlet kills it. Yeah, someday I will see it. Uh, Twenty thirteen was a good year. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, back to spiders. Um, Yeah, I mean Jake Gyllenhaal. He's in Spider Man. No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, What else? What else do you have about spiders? I think. uh, Yeah. So I have bullets written down for like the, the all the points for spiders like make an appearance. Okay. And I think the first. So, so the first spider is in the CD sex club at the beginning where... Very beginning, right? Actor, actor Jake slash Anthony is, like, intently watching in the dark room and one of the women brings out a platter that has a spider on it. 
And then she, like, is about to, like, step on it with her heel. And it's like, maybe you could say, like, if spider spiders are women, and maybe more specifically, like, the women he's in a relationship with, like, his wife, that that's, like, that part of him, like, stepping on or squashing the relationship almost with, like, what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Because he is, like, staring at it and looks like he's thinking very intently. So, like, maybe that's what he's thinking. He's like, you know, it's like, what am I doing? Like, my my habits, my temptations, like, what am I doing yeah. to our, to my relationship with my wife? And then the next spider is the giant spider over Toronto lurking. Oh, yeah, and, and you'll miss that if you blink. Like, it's very short, I think, right? Yeah, it is. It's a great shot. And that happens right after Adam meets with his mother. So it's like, you maybe, like, that's, like, the his... That spider, like, is his mom. And maybe kind of the start and the beginning of his issues. Like, she's, like, the giant towering spider in his mind. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Because um, maybe it, it's, it like, a, a control place. thing. Maybe it's a control thing where he feels controlled by these women. So, like, that's why he has, like, that fear of commitment. And he yeah. doesn't like control. And so, like, maybe his mother was really controlling. He was yeah. growing up. Yeah, I could see that. And, okay, then... The next he, one's my favorite, I think. Yeah, the spider lady, the naked spider lady. Oh, is she naked? I thought just the head was, like, a spider. I don't remember the No, full. she was... Well, it was a... I think she was, like... I don't know if you see full Thank frontal, you right. but she was like definitely nude, top up. Yeah, I think that's spider the head. the like strangest spider in the film. <laughs> and so that happens after I think Helen, after Helen meets up with Adam, you know, history teacher side of him, his other persona. Mm-hmm. And she's talks to him, and sh- and she's almost like playing along with it. And it's like he looks exactly like you, blah blah blah. She's like, you know, what what is going on? She says as she's kind of like tears in her face, and Anthony says like, I don't know what you're talking about or something. And she says, I think you know. And she just stares at him, and then it cuts to like Spider Lady. And maybe okay. that's like yeah. maybe that's like her questioning him and putting pressure on him with that it is like him very like you know in a very visual way viewing her as a spider yeah i don't know and then it cuts to like some other lady walking down a hall that adam's by which is a cool shot that the spider lady turns into normal lady with like the hair that kind of looks like the spider head Mm. and it's like an upside down shot at first it is a very cool uh... it's wild yeah, that's a it's an interesting scene. I'm glad you noted these because I didn't think that deeply about them, like where they are in the film. I was just like, oh, these spiders show up. Yeah, um, the second showing, I tried to tried to look at every everything yeah. uh, a little deeper. And then the last spider is my favorite spider, and it's such a perfect ending to this movie. I feel like it's like ten out of ten spider would, and yeah. It's when new, like, adjusted or, I don't want to say reborn, but reborn uh, Anthony, uh, you know, as his, you know, ready to be nice and committed to his wife again. As the other worst part of him has been killed off in the car accident. 
which just before the scene, he turns off the radio that's like says there's a car accident and we don't really get much detail about, you know, the people involved because he turns it off. So it's, and he finds the envelope, and I mentioned this before, it's like the history repeating itself thing. He finds the piece of temptation and he immediately is like, you know, Helen, are you doing anything? Because I got to go out. And after that, she no longer is responding to him. Because to, you know, this is, if it's the history repeating itself thing, this is a part of the relationship that keeps happening. You know, he says, oh, I have to go out. Very Mm -hmm. vaguely. doesn't, you know, it's probably happened, you know, tens and tens of time for however long they've been together where he just says, I have to go out and doesn't tell her where. And so she doesn't respond because she knows it's, you know, it's, it was short lived and the habit is returning and him maybe not realizing it yet, you know, whatever going on in his head, he doesn't realize that this is a thing he's probably done before goes to the room where his wife is. And we get the reveal of the giant tarantula in the room and it's scared is the thing. The spire, it recoils into the corner and is scared. And that to me is like so perfect. Like that's his, his wife, you know, maybe, maybe she's scared of him or maybe just sad and disappointed, like recoiling away from him. Cause he's more um, in control. Falling back into the habit again. Yeah. Right. Immediately himself, going right? back in. Yeah. And his Jake's look on his face is just, uh, it, it's just like a sigh of acceptance. Almost. He just, it's just like a, uh, and, and, you know, yeah. he's not scared. He doesn't react. It, it's more of just like, you know, accepting like, yeah, it's me doing this again. Yeah. Because there's a part during the lecture where the guy says it's like a, it's like history repeats itself. And, you know, Marx added that the first time it was a tragedy, the second time it was a farce. And so like, you know, it's, it's him kind of realizing the, how ridiculous the, his pattern of behavior is. And I don't know. I love that spider. I, I think it's such a cool way to show the wife's disappointment in him, the sadness yeah. in the relationship, and the fact that even like obviously like he's hurting her a lot here and he still just views her as a spider. It's like, ugh. Yeah. I feel like it it definitely adds depth to the story and a symbolism uh that we can track. I mean, I think you did it almost perfectly uh and you convinced me more about what the story is in this film um but i do think it's an important symbol and i'm still like i would love to know why villeneuve specifically chose spiders um like whether it has to do with webs or just the image of a spider maybe because it's a common thing people are afraid of yeah, so it's like an it's a very like quick visual thing for people to relate to a fear. So if he's like a fear of commitment and relationships, and we're seeing these fighters, we could just like relate fear to it really quickly. I don't know. Yeah, and it it sticks with you, I guess. Like you kind of always, if you have the fear of spiders, I feel like that's not a fear you just get rid of. Um, yeah, I think there's some other cool kind of hidden signs throughout the movie i mean i think maybe not so hidden is there's like the torn photo adam has initially when he's comparing it when he first discovers anthony as a lookalike he's using this torn photo that's clearly like of a past relationship because it's like someone's arm around his shoulder 
and it's just him. And later in the movie, we see that photo complete, and it's him and Helen together. Well, I miss this totally. I'm going to have to look up those scenes. It's when uh, Anthony, uh, actor Jake, is taking Mary on the date, and history teacher Jake has returned as himself to the apartment and he's kind of getting familiar with the surroundings. There's it's like snooping around. He goes to like a frame thing on the yeah. walks up to it, and it's the photo of him and Helen, and it's the same photo that was torn in half at the beginning that album Adam had. Wow. That's detail right there. That's Villeneuve detail. Yeah, it's um, good stuff. And it's like um I really liked when Adam history teacher Jake is crying at the end. I think this is like maybe pre, like just before he's about to kill off actor Jake in his head. He's like crying to Helen and saying like, I'm sorry, but he never really says what about. Yeah. So to me, it's like, it's more of like the, he's not saying sorry because he's like pretending like he's a different person pretending to be a husband. He's like saying sorry for all the like, I don't know, stuff he's done to her like cheating and yeah stuff as anthony basically anytime he was anthony <laughs> and then also last i have this written down i think is cool is like adam's apartment history teacher jake's apartment is so bare it barely has like anything in it he has like a laptop a bed on like the floor or something and no furniture to me that looks like someone's second apartment like that's the apartment he takes his yeah. mistresses or he like just moved in there yeah so like yeah. The, yeah there is nothing there that was you said that's adam's apartment right yep yeah and we never really see like we never see adam's home life when we see anthony almost like i feel like it cuts between adam and anthony a lot but whenever anthony is with his wife we never see adam doing anything yeah until it's like a different period in time yeah it's interesting that is, I'm, I mean, I just watched this film and I'm excited to rewatch it again soon now that, that all this is kind of laid out more. I think it's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. Definitely rewatchable because it's, it's not too long either. It's like an hour and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's everything I've got on enemy. Um, anything else you want to add? No, I think that's all I have for enemy, but, uh question for you because yeah it's a tradition um traditional question what is your favorite jake gyllenhaal flick well it's gotta be spider-man no (laughs) it's not um that so i had to look uh and and pull up all his films because i couldn't think of a lot of them uh but I'll, i'll do a couple i think I like Everest a lot. Oh, I never um, saw that. You've never seen that? No. Nope. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, he's not in it a ton, I don't think. Uh, but I liked him in it. He's a little zany from what I remember. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Um, End of Watch is good. Also haven't seen that in a really long time. Uh, Wildlife is a great acting role for him. Oh, I really I want to watch that. I love it's a uh, slow, very slow movie, but 
it's a really good acting movie. I like everybody involved in that. Carrie Mulligan and Dono directing it. Yeah. I think that's the only film he's directed still, too. Yeah. It's on Criterion, uh, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, Prisoners is great. Zodiac is great. Kind of put those together. <laughs> uh, Donnie Darko for some young Joan Hall. Um, Nightcrawler, from what I remember. I haven't seen that since it like came out, but I think those would be my top tier. Uh, but I think he's good in everything I've seen him in, even though some of the films are not my favorite. I think he's always been good in them. So, what about you? Yeah, I, I love me some Jalen Hall. He's definitely one of my favorite actors right now. I think Prisoners is the best movie he's been in, but I think yeah. his best role is absolutely Nightcrawler. Yeah. I love it's more like very that. focused on his character from what I remember too. So Yeah, he like he's solid he years. Robbed. He got robbed for Nightcrawler. I don't think he even got nominated for any acting awards. It just killed me because I thought he was like the best that year. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was End, great. End of Watch is great. I need to rewatch Jarhead because I watched it. I haven't seen at that. an age where I was like, I want to see a fun war movie. I wasn't ready for like a commentary on what it's like to be a soldier in modern war. Um, and yeah. yes, end to watch source code's pretty underrated. I was just looking at that. He's not like exceptional in it. He's good, that. but it's an underrated movie. Um, Nocturnal Animals is great. I haven't seen that. I think but... the movie itself is better than like. I mean, he's good in it. It's just not a crazy. I've heard very have, mixed. Like, a lot to do in the movie. It's a fantastic movie, though. It's Nocturnal Animals. Uh, side note is it's one of the few movies where, like, I feel like I'm pretty desensitized overall, and I don't get scared in like horror movies just because I just know it's a movie. It's hard for me to like detach myself from that. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene, a particular sequence in Nocturnal Animals where it's like, I felt like real physical anxiety and fear because it was like a very real situation. And I don't know, Tom Ford isn't fair. I Tom Ford's stupid. Like, how do you just be like a famous fashion designer and then just like every like six years, you're like, yeah, I might direct a movie. And it ha- always has like high critical acclaim every yeah. time. It's the vision. I mean, he only has two movies from what I'm seeing. Yeah, two movies. That's still like that's pretty good to be like two for two on. And it's great when you can you can costume your own movies probably too. Yeah, and yeah, he's like you will only wear my sunglasses in this film. Nightcrawler is definitely his best, but uh, if you're a Gyllenhaal aficionado, you should definitely watch uh, for that young Gyllenhaal Bubble Boy 2001. Mm. That is seen that. kind of a funny movie from what I remember. I remember uh, having fun with it. It probably maybe it doesn't want age that well, but it's fun. It's funny looking back at something like Bubble Boy and then going to like Nightcrawler or Prisoners and you know, see the growth of, of young Jacob. Yeah. If you're looking for more Jalen Hall. Today, a trailer dropped for an animated film that he's apparently going to be in called Spirit Untamed. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) 
got Julianne Moore apparently also, and Walton Goggins. Oh, what hell a, yeah! What dude. a strange cast, but I, I support it. This film does not look good to me, but uh, if you want oh, more no, Jellico voice it's, acting, it's a horse movie, a DreamWorks <laughs> talking animal movie. I mean, it's called Spirit Untamed. I think you would expect a horse movie. Um, yeah. I had a question for you. Uh, has anyone told you that you look like a specific actor? And I don't have one in mind for you. I was just wondering. No, um, sadly, if no, you have a look alike, it'd be cool if I did. Yeah, I don't think I do though. Do you have a look alike? Um, for a long time, people told me I look like Zachary Quinto. Um, it, I think it was more of a Spock hairstyle I had going on when I was younger. Um, what else? I think there was, there was one other I'm trying to think. Oh, people have told me I look, and I don't think I agree with this one as much as Zachary Quinto. I can see a little bit the Zachary Quinto, but people tell me I look like Nathan Fielder a little bit. Um, so do you know who that is? Yeah. 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 I mean, I wish That's... I was Nathan <laughs> Fielder because that dude lives the life. Just making whatever the hell he wants. Very funny guy. I definitely recommend. This is very off topic from Enemy, but I recommend Nathan for you if you have not seen that show, show before. Um, Zach yeah. Quinto kind of looks like Eli Roth. Do you want to be Eli Roth? Oh, I want to be as strong as Eli Roth. Wait, am I thinking of the right person? Probably. I mean, he looks That's the guy like... in Glorious Bastards, right? Yeah, he looks badass in, the director. in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be cool. Yeah, he does look like... I never put that connection, but they look very similar. Um, yeah, I'll be Eli Roth. That's cool. He's probably rolling in the dough. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, we've talked a little bit recently about our top music list, so maybe one day we'll release an episode on that. If you're listening to this podcast and want to hear that, Stephen and I might have to duke maybe. it out. Yeah, we might have to duke it out over our top uh, albums of 2020 um, and our taste in films and music in general. Insult, <laughs> insult each other's opinions for. Yeah, yeah. I I did say that the goal is for both of us to be crying by the end of that episode, so you can look forward to that. Maybe it'll happen. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, and do you have anything else to say about Enemy before I just turn to the next film and cut it? Uh, nope. Go for it. Cool. So the next film we're going to talk about on the podcast um, is going to be Sicario. We're almost done with Villeneuve's filmography. Uh, Sicario is his third to newest film, not including Dune. Um and it was released in 2015, so there was a two-year gap between uh, Prisoners and Enemy and Sicario. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I think I've only seen that film once. Steven, you have seen Sicario, right? Yeah, I've seen it once. I'm definitely looking forward to watching it again. I think it's an yeah. interesting movie. I'm just, God, this is such a prolific streak for Denis. It's like rare form for you know director to have like... You know, from 2013 to 2016, it's like four yeah. incredibly good movies. Mm-hmm. And 
I think, uh, Stephen, you're, of course, welcome to join on the next episode. I don't know when we're going to record yeah. it quite yet, but uh, I plan on doing. I if you want to watch Sicario. Oh, also, I just got Sicario on Blu-ray. It was like five bucks on Amazon. So I was like, I might as well just buy it. Um, so I'm looking forward to whatever special features I never actually watch on the Blu-rays I have are. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch them for this. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, thanks for joining me, Stephen. And I guess we will probably be talking on the next podcast as well. Um, yeah, thanks. Peace.